0: Because I'm Carlos, episode 34, so back for another episode here at the beginning of July, and I'm actually recording on July the 4th, so happy July the 4th weekend to those folks stateside, and happy Canada Day long weekend to folks on the Canadian side of the border. So long weekend been having a lot of fun with that and hopefully you enjoyed it if it applies to you with all that said it's actually kind of funny that as I'm recording this, I'm watching the World Series of Poker main event coverage because they've started day one of the main event and they were just finishing reviewing Jamie Gold and I've done the video in the past on the channel where I've talked about the whole World Series of Poker and my enjoyment of a lot of the poker coverage and things and it's just kind of interesting Last from the past seeing Jamie Gold of all people uh, on the feature table uh, here on day one. So it is the season for sure as we start in the beginning of July. That said, a few things that I want to talk about. First one is that I actually didn't get a chance to record a different video that I wanted to record over the weekend because I had received a couple of items and that I was going to do as part of a pickup video. Uh, but what ended up happening is that I kept running into other things that I was working on and... I decided that since it looks like based on the tracking, I'm actually going to get a package coming in this week. Separate from any ship my cards or comms orders that I'm waiting on, that I'm going to wait for those to come in. And I'll do kind of a consolidated one along with it. Otherwise, it would have been just a two card mail day. And I've done a couple of those recently and they're okay. They're fun. But at the same time, it's just kind of a short video, and there really isn't that much to say. I think with a few more cards in there, it'd be kind of fun to start uh, talking about a little Josh Rosen project that I'm working on that I've alluded to on the live stream. And I want to have a little bit of fun with that, talking through it a little bit more, but it'd be be more interesting if I actually have a few more cards in hand to start showing those off as we're going along. But the real big one is going to come in when I do grab my ship my cards thing, because I've got a ton of stuff that is going to be a lot of fun to go through when I get into that one. It's going to cover, I can tell you right now, it's going to cover over 50 eBay lots. So needless to say, I have been finding some things. But that plays separately from the title of this episode, which is End of an Era. And the thing is, uh, it's a very dramatic title. It's not clickbait because it actually does reflect what I want to talk about in this episode. But it's not so dramatic or serious. It's not pertaining to the channel. It's not pertaining to the content that I'm doing. The End of an Era is actually related to a thing that I'm doing pertaining to the cards, and specifically what I'm doing with one of my segments of collecting, one of my long-term segments of collecting uh, from my Mike Medano collection based on a thing that I experienced this past week or it might've actually been the week before, but I wanted to get my thoughts together before I actually recorded an episode. So let's get into it. Really what it comes down to is that whether it was a week ago or two weeks ago, regardless, I received a notification that one of my saved searches on eBay had actually received a ping. And it was a big one because uh, I've got a variety of different safe searches for my different collections. But for my Medano collection, there's a few specific ones that I keep my eyes out on. So I'll, I'll kind of share them with you since uh, it pertains to one of the ones that we did here. One of them is the Run for the Cup, so 9697 Run for the Cup, and I'll talk about more of that in a minute. But the other one is the 9798 SPX Grand Finale. Now, I'll explain a little bit about that, I'll give you a little bit of a background. As far as the late 90s are concerned, there's a lot of different inserts and also parallels that if you're a 90s hockey collector, you're gonna wanna collect. Now, if you're familiar with the SPX from that time period, so 97, 98, thereabouts, The Grand Finale is actually one that I believe also crosses over into basketball, and as far as I recall, also crosses over into baseball. So if you're familiar with those, it's going to be very similar in terms of concept. You have the SPX base set, and then you've got a variety of different parallels, different color parallels. I think you got a silver, and I think you got a gold, and a couple of different versions. But the Grand Finale is actually a gold one, but there are some nuances there that make it a little bit different. Now, the most important part of it is the Grand Finale is a tough one, because those have a print run limited to 50 copies. Now, in today's parlance, you know, out of 50, out of 25, even out of 10, it's it's something, but it's it's not as big a deal as it once was, because obviously there's so many sets every year, so many parallels, so many inserts, all that. You, all you have to do is go look over at Panini and look at all the different uh, parallels that you have when it pertains to something like Select. There's just so many, and there's so many one of ones and all that, and it just knocks down the overall prestige of something in that. But if you're talking 1997, 1998, the one-of-one one had just been invented effectively. Not, you know, not invented maybe is maybe the wrong phrasing, but the point is for the hockey side of things. ninety-seven, ninety-eight was the first year that one-of-ones were brought into parlance. So anything limited to like 50 or limited to 25 is super, super, super short print. And given the way production was done at the time, they were just tough to come by. Perfect example that I'll give you, and another one that falls under this category that I'm gonna be talking about here, is that... In 98-99, in UD, you had UD Choice, so Upper Deck Choice, and that was more of a low-level brand. But because they printed printed so many boxes and printed so many cards, the parallel that they had the Prime Choice Reserve, well, that's numbered to one hundred. It's serial number to one hundred. So you think low-level brand, number to one hundred, can't be a big deal, right? Those are actually really tough to come by. So anything out of 100 or less in that late 90s period still holds a little bit of prestige, still holds a little bit of value. And the grand finale, as it turns out, because SPX was also a high-end brand at the time, was a very tough one to come by. Ironically, when I gave that Prime Choice Reserve example, that was the opposite of the spectrum, and those turned out to be tough for a different reason. But regardless, uh, limited to 50 is a very tough card to find. So it's one of those things where I suddenly get the notification that my save search has actually got a hit after all this time. And literally, I I don't exaggerate, it has been years since I've been able to actually see one potentially in auction. And I think what happened is that somebody had a series of them and was uh, posting them all at once which is basically the only way that a lot of these things happen at this point because you're just not getting one off or two offs very often here. It usually is somebody who happens to have a stack of them and then they decide to list them either through a consigner or through themselves or whatever the case may be. And then basically a bunch of them appear, you have your shot and then it's done. So needless to say, I get this notification and I'm very excited and I'm also a little bit nervous because now I'm trying to figure out something that is usually a bit of a challenge and it's something that I've talked about on the channel before. Because think about what I, the background I just gave you. It is a tougher card. It is something that doesn't come up all the time. So here's what you wind up with. Even if you're able to find some old pricing, how do you determine the price? What do you do when the last time one of these sold has been years? In this case, it's 97.98 SPX Grand Finale, and it's the Medano so as part of that, as part of that sh- ever-shrinking checklist. So for me, it's a higher priority item because the Medano collection is one that I really prioritize and try to get my hands on the stuff. And I'm down to, I think, about 80 or 81 cards left in that latter portion of the 90s. So that checklist is shrinking. It's dwindling by the day. And it, it gets tough to even get a card that fits because you keep looking and looking. And it's one of those things where you keep trying to find something but it's not easy. It's not as easy as it once was to put it that way. So I see this notification and now I know that there's an opportunity to knock a big one off the checklist. But here's the question, what do we value this at? What is the price that's gonna take this thing down? Because it's not a buy it now best offer, it is an open auction, which means you've got an opportunity. This could go one of two ways. This could be a great opportunity to get it at an awesome price if not a lot of people see it, or if the market price turns out to be a certain way, or it could become very problematic very quickly if a bunch of people are either trying to work on a set, also realize how tough these are to come by and decide to bid aggressively. There's a lot of ways that can go because now it's open to chance. Now everybody's got a shot here. So here's the question, how do you value it? How do you try to determine it? Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot for me to go on, so I kinda had to do best guess. I know that if I tried to buy this five or 10 years ago, it would have been a lot less, probably comfortably under a hundred dollars. But what does it look like today in 2023? So what I ended up doing is I decided for myself, I asked myself a simple question was, what was I willing to do? How deep into my pockets was I willing to reach? And the answer I came to was right around $400. That was the answer to my question. I decided that I was gonna put in a snipe for 400 and change, You know, come up with some weird number at the end just to put it a little over 400 and hope that that would be enough to take it down. So what it really came down to is that's the number that I felt comfortable with, that's the number that I could live with and and go with for that card. So as the last couple of days approached, I had an idea and I had my plan in mind. I figured, okay, great. And then I was gonna set up the snipe with a couple hours to go and then let it ride and see what happens. Well, unfortunately, my plan did not work out because with hours left, it already crossed the $400 threshold. And that left me in a bit of a quandary. So I've got time here to make a decision. I've got time here to reach deeper into my pockets. And I decided, that the answer was no. Now, that kind of plays into that title of this particular episode. Because this is an end of an era. Because what it really comes down to is this. And I try to make a bit of a separation when I talk about a lot of this stuff. What I'm referring to here is not a situation where... Oh, you're priced out because you know it's beyond your budget. It was, but at the same time, like I could have reached deeper into my pocket and made, moved, made some maneuvers, moved some stuff around. You know, sold a couple of cards, and I could have made it happen. I could have, I could have reached deeper into my pocket. The end result of that was that the auction finished at six hundred and sixty dollars for it, in the open auction. As far as I can tell, the the bidding seems legit. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But six hundred and sixty dollars is what it came out to. And what I realized as the auction concluded was that I simply was not willing to go there. It wasn't even a case of whether I had the money or not. You know, I, I, I could win the lottery tomorrow and I still wouldn't have been comfortable paying $660 for it, or in this case more, in order to actually win it, because I just didn't value that card at that price point. I understood how difficult it was to come by. I understood how long I'd been searching for it, but it wasn't a card that felt like, oh, I have to have this and no cost is too great there are very few cards that fit that profile for me at this point. So it's one of those situations where I ran into that. And then also I ran into the other problem. And it's kind of the opportunity cost thing here, if you're not familiar with that concept, is that I sat back and thought, okay, $660 US, what else could I get for that? And it doesn't even have to be one card. It's it's a matter of, okay, $660. If I want to budget $660 what else could I get? And the answer is there's a number of different things that would be well within my capability to do so. I can tell you right now, there's a few uh, autographed patches of the cup that a few sellers have got on eBay right now that I could probably make a play at for less than that. Because even if I hit the buy it now, I would still have money left. I would still have money to spare. So let alone if I make an offer and I'm able to come to a deal that we're able to work on. In addition to that, I could probably buy the card, make a deal on it, and then buy one or two cards for my 53 Bowman uh, set project that I'm working on. And that was the problem I ran into. The problem is I could not come to a justification in my own mind where it made sense for me to dig into my pocket deep enough to go and get this card, even though that checklist is dwindling. And I just couldn't get there. And that was the problem that I had. It was just the price made no sense for me personally. Whether or not the market, uh, whether or not the market bared that or not, it seems to be that that is now where the market's going to go. And the end of the era thing is, if that turns out that this is where the market is, and I can tell you that a few of the other cards went for very, uh, a few of the other cards in that set that were part of this group, they got listed all at once, also went for incredibly aggressive numbers. I think the Yarmou Yagra, if I'm not mistaken, uh, possibly from the same seller, I think, I ended up selling for $3,000. So, you know, the auger selling for more makes total sense to me, but at the same time, $3,000, you know, that's 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 a crazy number. And that to me in my mind means that the cost of doing business over in the late 90s for some of these cards have really, really moved further and further and further out of whack. And the problem that I ran into is that I just, I can't get there with it. Uh, it's one of those things where five or 10 years ago, it would have been maybe $100, $200, and now we're sitting here talking about five, six, seven hundred dollars $700, and thousands of dollars in the case of some of the, even the bigger names. And I just can't get there when there's so much other stuff that I'm working on that I could get for a fraction of that that would probably give me more enjoyment. And that's really the – it's the utility cost for me personally, the opportunity cost of maybe being able to get something else and that prevented me from even considering. You're even really entertaining the possibility of reaching deeper into my pocket to go get more. And the answer at that point was just no, I can't do that. And that's really what I'm referring to when I talk about the end of an era, because as I look through some of the other ones on my checklist, including that run for the cup that I mentioned, that's one that I had considered that was going to be potentially one that I would have to go uh, deep into my reserves in order to try to pick it up. And I'm thinking to myself now, if these other ones are starting to go for this price point, you know, how far is this kind of thing gonna go when the next one comes up that I have an opportunity to bid on? Now that isn't to say that there's no chance that I'll ever be able to get any of these cards. There's always the possibility that somebody lists one by accident, you know, puts it as a buy it now or best offer, you know. If somebody goes and lists one of those grand finales and puts $250, $300 on it, I will snap, I will snap that buy it now immediately. I won't even hesitate. I I will. I may break my phone pressing that button. But the thing is that outside of some kind of an accident happening, if the price is shifted in that direction, then I'm out as a buyer, regardless of what my financial situation is at that time. Because... There's just so much other stuff that I could do with the same amount, and that's what I mean when I said end of an era is that I've gone past the point where I can even look at it seriously and consider uh, trying to reach for those things at what the going rate seems to be. Funny enough, in the in the era when we're talking about these uh, declining prices, is that I'm talking about record prices. I'm talking about you know new new levels being set that even a couple of years ago would have been unthinkable. So we're post boom, but for some reason these ones have started to go up because the people want to bid on them really want to bid on them and they're willing to reach for it and and go for it and good on them uh congratulations to the winner because like i'm just not going to play that game i'm going to uh, make some very difficult decisions as far as that's concerned going forward i'm still going to try to chip away at it but uh it may be just a situation where i just have to accept that uh the checklist is going to have more than anything sit there more often than not unless the right thing comes across at the right price and I'm able to work something out just because the circumstances and the conditions have changed and I have to kind of work around that. But that's okay because I do have other projects that I work on and that's part of the reason that I don't limit myself to just one thing. If I was only collecting those, it would be uh, very difficult to avoid the temptation to kind of like just go for it because if you're not collecting anything else, well, then that's really what you're going for. But I'm just sitting there thinking, there's so many other things I could, like I said, even that 660 example, I could put together a package of some great cards that would fit some of my other projects that would be a lot of fun for me, that I would really enjoy, that I would probably get more enjoyment out of, more utility than uh, just that one card, even as great as it would be to scratch it off the checklist. And that would be very satisfying, but unfortunately, it just wasn't in the cards in this case, pun intended. Now, this will probably be a discussion for another version or another episode of the podcast. And that's kind of one of those things where situations like this leave me kind of thinking about what my strategy is going to be going forward with that player collection. Just because, like I said before, it is the one that I've been at the longest, and I have no intention of stopping. It's one of those situations where now I am being a lot more selective, though, to be honest with you, uh, in terms of what I'm looking for, in terms of what I seek out. Obviously, there are new products where they'll occasionally throw a Madano card in there, and those can be a lot of fun for me, and I've been able to have some fun with some recent issues that have come out. And I still love getting the autograph cards, and that's one thing that I do enjoy. But as I said a moment ago, and when I was giving a lot of this example, is that I'm trying to be a lot pickier in terms of trying to get better bang for my buck. And that's really what it comes down to as far as that piece is concerned, is that if I'm going to spend the money, that it better be something that I feel like I'm getting the value out of it. And maybe this is something, in the course of this discussion, I'm mostly stream of consciousness for this one. I, I... Probably didn't convey it as maybe as clearly as I wanted to. Is that above all else, I really want to feel like I'm getting my bang for my buck. It's not enough just to get the card and scratch the name off the checklist. I want to feel like if I paid this, then I want to feel like I got value out of it. And how I personally value the card or cards is not necessarily tied to where the market value is, because it could be a situation, and this is something that I have talked about in the past, either on the live stream or in a different episode, where I said that you know in My earlier collecting life, I aspired to the idea of putting together the complete tops run. But, you know, obviously budget constraints and all that were a factor, but also the fact that I didn't like some of the sets was a factor. But going back to the sets that I do like aesthetically, uh, speaking to the kind of this topic that I'm talking about here, if I woke up tomorrow and I won the lottery and I have millions of dollars now, now I have, you know, a nearly unlimited budget to chase after everything I want, some of those cards I still don't want. So it's a situation where it's not that I don't, that in that scenario, suddenly have the resources to be able to chase after it. It's just I don't value them at that price. It's a situation where some of the stuff becomes more interesting depending on price point. You bring the price down to a certain level, something that I'm a little bit iffy on or I'm a little bit ambivalent on, I might pick it up to add it to the collection. But... If you bring up a price point, then all of a sudden I have to be a lot pickier because I go back into that opportunity cost equation where I say, what else could I be getting for that same amount? And that's something that I found a bit of a challenge in my collecting life at this point, especially in the segments where I do collect a little bit of vintage is that there's only a handful of cards. I literally can tell you that there's a handful of cards that I've ever crossed into the thousand dollar threshold for. And it's because there aren't too many cards that I want that warrant that or deserve it. And I don't anticipate there being that many going forward because most of the cards that I want shouldn't cost me $1,000 and I don't want them to cost me $1,000. And if you try to take a card that I value at a couple of hundred dollars and charge me $1,000, then my answer is going to be no. Whether or not I need it on the checklist or not, I just don't value it at that level. So that's kind of the idea of a lot of what I was talking about in this conversation. And that one kind of crystallized it for me. It brought it into focus that unfortunately, even though I have this checklist that I've been pursuing and chipping away at and I've been wanting to move towards it, I might've reached a satur- I might have reached this point where I've kind of hit a wall that in order to play this game at the level that it needs to be played at in order to cross some of that stuff off the checklist, obviously some of the other stuff I think is attainable. It's just a matter of getting it in front of me. But for some of that other stuff, if uh, people want to pay that much, then I'm out as far as that's concerned and I'll leave it to them because uh, if they're willing to pay that price, then they certainly want it more than I do clearly. Now, if I'm being truthful, I don't really feel that bad about it because uh, that's kind of the advantage of having as many projects on the go as I do, that there's always something that might be of interest. And a lot of those things are a little bit more affordable or do make more sense to me in terms of the enjoyment that I get for it in relation to the price point that it would cost me. So, just kind of some thoughts that I wanted to share. Uh, kind of an epiphany that I came to, unfortunately, as a result of. Uh, of a card that I wanted to chase after, but uh, I was blown out of the water before it even uh, got the opportunity to put a bid in on that one. So I'm just kind of curious if you have any kind of similar situation in any of the collecting pursuits that you have. Is there some stuff that you've basically been priced out of, either because it literally falls outside your budget, or in the case of like what I'm talking about, it falls outside of the budget that you're willing to allow? Like if you have the money in your hand, but you're sitting there being asked to pay a certain amount, and you sit there and you look at it and say, but if I pay this, I'll get this card. Yes. But what else could I be getting for that same amount that would also give me great satisfaction? What else could I be working on? What other projects could I be making some progress on that I'm not getting the opportunity to do because I am in my mind, at least in my mind, overpaying for this thing in order to make it happen, in order to take care of this one thing. Whereas look at all these other opportunities over here that make a lot more sense to me. I look at this and I think that's a value or that's reasonable. And I could be getting two or three cards for the price of this one card that I just feel flat out is overpriced, at least from my personal perspective. That's kind of the thought that I was having. And that's kind of the purpose of this particular discussion. So I'm curious if you have anything like that, that you've encountered recently or in the past. And at the same time, we'll come back a little bit later and we'll start talking about a little bit of kind of strategy and thoughts because we're starting to head towards national season. We're starting to move towards that. That's going to be in a couple of weeks here towards the end of July. That's going to be interesting. And uh, I won't be involved in it. Uh, I won't be around for that. However, Uh, We'll still be doing the videos and the live streams on the YouTube channel, so I'm sure we'll have more than a few discussions on it. Uh, Wear comfortable shoes. There's your national tip uh, for this week. And we'll see what other, how many episodes we end up uh, doing this month here, leading into the national and then post-national, just kind of to see how conditions are on the end of that. I'd be curious how many people actually on the show floor end up doing kind of the calculus that I was talking about, that I talked through in this episode where, yeah, it's in front of me. Yes, I can buy it. Yes, the cash is in my hand. But if I buy this and I spend this, then what other opportunities am I missing out on? And that's not always been a factor in the past. But unfortunately, with the prices escalating on some of this stuff as much as it has, it suddenly has become a consideration where in the past it wasn't really as big an issue. But unfortunately now, at least for this specific category that I'm talking about, now it's become a bit of an issue for me. It's something that I have to think about a lot more than in the past. Anyway, that's it for me for now. If you're on the YouTube version of it, uh, as I said, there'll be more videos coming up on the channel. The YouTube is the hub for a lot of the content that I do, but I do also have an audio version of it that is available on Spotify and Google Play and whatever other area for audio podcast you have. Also, there will be live streams. They're on Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern time on the YouTube channel. The link to all that will be in the description of either the YouTube or on the audio version if you want to check that out. And that's it for me for now. We'll catch you in the next one.